This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. What do those spooky tunes make you think about? Hawkins? D&D? Eleven? Hopefully all of the above. And if those words don't make sense, then you might want to check out Stranger Things on Netflix. Their fourth season released this week, and people are psyched. Now, since its release in 2016, the show has won 65 awards and 175 nominations, including Emmys, Golden Globes, Grammys, SAG, DGA, PGA, WGA, BAFTA, and Peabody Awards. You get the idea. It's been a long three years since the last season, but we are ready to dig into it now with Alec Bojalid, TV editor at Den of Geek. Welcome to Reset, Alec. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Also with us is Vocalo host and producer and Stranger Things fan, Stefan Biko. Hi, Biko. Yes, yes, yes. Hello, everybody. How you doing, Sasha? Doing well. Thanks for joining, guys. So I recognize not everybody has watched this show, but if you have a Netflix subscription, I feel like there is literally no way that this has not crossed your radar, even for just a moment over the years. Alec, make it make sense. What is it about Stranger Things that has made it such a phenomenon? Well, you know, if I could say it as succinctly as possible, I would just say it's good, you know? Um, <laughs> despite, I think it's kind of well-trodden territory that the show is derivative of a lot of, uh, you know, other pop culture elements. Um, obviously, Stephen King's a big influence. Steven Spielberg's a big influence. All sorts of 80s action comedy films. Uh, it, it, it borrows a lot from, you know, sci-fi horror that came before it. Um, but the, the ironic thing is that there's actually not really much else on TV like it in its approach to just uh, how much it respects its characters Mm -hmm. and uh, how well it can just, you know, craft a good old fashioned adventure story. So for those who aren't aware, Alec, quickly, what's the show about and who does it follow? Oh, wow. So it follows essentially like a whole town. It is set in uh, the 80s. It starts in the early 80s in 1983 in season one. Uh, The most recent season is 1986. And essentially, uh, this town of Hawkins, Indiana, is the site of a secret MK Ultra-like uh, science experiment that opens a portal to the Upside Down, which is like a pocket universe alongside our own that contains a uh, you know monsters and, and all other creepy things. Yeah. Um, and then the show picks up with uh, four kids. Uh, Hawkins, Indiana, middle school students who go or have to uncover the mystery of what's going down the upside down. And it just kind of extended along those lines for four seasons now. Well, supernatural monsters aside, the show has uh, a lot of fun showing what it was like to be a teenager back in the 80s. So here's some of the characters struggling to uh, prioritize their love of D&D with navigating high school. If I get in good with these guys, I'll be in the popular crowd and then you guys will be too. Has it ever occurred to you that we don't want to be popular? So you want to be stuck with the nerds and freaks for three more years? We are nerds and freaks. Yeah, but maybe we don't have to be. <laughs> Biko, does this remind you of high school? It, it, it actually does. Uh, you know, I've always, um, you know, been around friends that we like to have fun, joke amongst each other. But it, it wasn't necessarily us being popular. But it was a thing to be popular. So, yes, hearing that clip, it definitely brings back a lot of memorable uh, moments when, you know, I was I was in high school. Yeah. Um, Now, we're going to try to make this, you know, semi spoiler free conversation as best as we can. Um, But I want to know, did you both 
binge and, and finish the season, season four, or do you have some episodes left to go? You first, Biko. Uh, well, I haven't binged yet. I will. Uh, I started the first episode. It is a little, you know, like I said, it's a little lengthy, but I started the first episode. I couldn't get through it yet. But I, and the, the crazy thing about it, I actually went back to season one just to, you know, revisit some of those catch up. memories. So exactly. Just to revisit everything. Cause I, I saw season one, season two, season three. Um, I'm like, you know what? Let me start back over and then just get a, a clearer clarity and fresher mind of catching up. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get there. You're going to get there. How about you, Alec? Uh, well, I'm actually in kind of a privileged position as a TV critic. I, I received all the episodes prior to release, and I of uh, course watched you them did. all pr- pretty quick. <laughs> I am fairly special, yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> but yes, I've seen the whole season, and I've gone back and rewatched uh, bits and pieces of it. Oh, wow. That's that's super fun. Uh, Biko, the, the soundtrack, that's gotten a lot of recognition in the past and for you know bringing classics to the attention of these younger audiences. What do you think about that? I honestly, I think Nora uh, Felder, uh, I feel like she's been doing a fantastic job at, you know, making this, this uh, Stranger Things soundtrack. I mean, her main goal was to find songs that would be favorites of young teens around the late 80s. And not only did Nora understand the assignment, she also helped, you know, uh, a record that was released back in 1985 from Kate Bush. Uh, running up the hill and mm-hmm. catapulted back into the spotlight. And you already know, Sasha, TikTok is a thing. <laughs> it's becoming a favorite on TikTok. Oh, TikTok. It's also uh, on top of Spotify's daily playlist in the UK. So, yeah, she's she understood the assignment. Uh, she has a strange cheat code, I like to say, that many music supervisors may not achieve. So, yeah, yeah. She, she's getting it done. The uh, Duffer brothers, the, the pair of siblings who are writers and executive producers of the show. Uh, Alec, what do you think about the twists and turns that they've cooked up this season? Uh, this certainly was a twisty and turny season. Um, you know, one of the issues, one of the small issues of the season is episode length. So it kind of it gets unwieldy at points. But for the most part, uh, the plot delivers. Um, this ends with episode seven and just re- tr- a truly kind of mind-blowing twist. Ooh. Uh, and we won't actually which get you to won't pick tell up us, the, <laughs> which I will not tell no. us. Um, and it, we won't actually get to pick up with that again until July. They split this season up into two parts, with the final two episodes coming later. Uh, so it's kind so like of like a mid-season uh, a finale shrink. thing. Absolutely. And it is quite the mid-season finale. So I don't watch Stranger Things, but my kids do. And and my 14-year-old daughter, Mikhail, really wishes she could have joined us for this conversation today because she is a super fan. She's also made me buy lots and lots of merch over the years. Um, Here's a little bit of, of what she has to say about why she loves the show. In each season, there's new editing and special effects, and it really creates a really good dynamic for the show and a good visual, as well as just the storyline is very cool. And like you would never expect, um, you know, any new thing to happen, but it does, and it surprises you every single time. It's not a predictable show. Biko, what do you think about the the plot twists? Did you love them? I mean, Are you not yeah, a fan? It, it, it keeps you it keeps you guessing, like your daughter said. It, it keeps you guessing. And um, I, I feel like that's what really makes Stranger Things pop and pop, you know, popular amongst all ages, uh, because you just you never know what twist and turn is going to come about from it. And you got to remember, these are teens. 
So teens are unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's what I feel like makes Stranger Things special uh, amongst you know everyone that watches it. It uh, undoubtedly impacted Netflix when it was released back in 2016, uh, the same year that their streaming numbers actually picked up. Alec, do you think that Netflix would be the giant that it is today without this show? Um, Absolutely not. No, I mean, uh, Stranger Things is the kind of show that Netflix absolutely needed to pull off. Um, Mm. When you're launching a streaming service, this is the kind of thing that you're looking for. Something original, not necessarily based on pre-existing IP, something that you really set your flag on and become the Stranger Things streamer. Uh, It was a big deal for Netflix, and this season um, was reportedly... According to Netflix, which, you know, sometimes you have to take with a grain of salt because we can't independently verify, um, was their their biggest opening weekend launch of all time for Stranger Things season four. Wow. You know, plot wise, season four, it's taking place six months after season three. But because of the pandemic, it's really been like three years. And the actors playing the kids, they look so much older now. So do, do you think... So much time passing changes the dynamic of their adventures because they're clearly not kids anymore. What do you think, Biko? I feel like, yes. Uh, you know, as a person gets older, I feel like the plot would have to, you know, uh, the storytelling would have to change a bit because of the age. You know, the, you, you got to break down like some of what they may have went through for the time that's been missed. So in, in a way, yeah, I feel like, you know, the, the storyline had to change, you know, just a tad bit to at least catch people up with the times of, you know, their age mm-hmm. and their growth. Your thoughts, Alec? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, the kids in the show, despite being older actors, are 15 in the show's continuity. And to be fair, it's a pretty hard 15. <laughs> They've been through quite a bit. <laughs> it's been a so, rough life. <laughs> yeah. So if they're like a little older and haggard, then it, I, I don't think that really belies belief too much. <laughs> 11 is definitely looking 15. <laughs> You would say. Absolutely. <laughs> this is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We're talking about the Netflix hit Stranger Things out with its fourth season this week. Our guests are Alec Bojalid, TV editor at Den of Geek, and Stefan Biko, host and producer for our sister station, Vocalo. So uh, we got to give a shout out to a fan favorite, Erica Sinclair. She returns this season, and now she joins the D&D world to sub for her big brother. Let's listen. So this is Sinclair's infamous sister. He's sharp. (laughs) What's your class and level? Level one dwarf? (laughs) My name is Lady Applejack, and I'm a chaotic, good, half-elf rogue level 14. And I will sneak behind any monster you throw my way and stab them in the back with my poison-soaked kukri. And I'll smile as I watch them die, a slow, agonizing death. So, we gonna do this? Or are we going to keep chit-chatting like this is your mommy's book club? Welcome to Hellfire. <laughs> wow. She definitely makes an impact. What do you think of her, Alec? Uh, I love her. Uh, you know, once again, kind of to exert my critical privilege a bit, um, I was able to visit the set of Stranger Things before season three. I remember asking the cast cool. what would be the biggest part of this coming season in Stranger Things' future. And all of them, to a man and woman, said Priya Ferguson as Erica Sinclair. Um, and I just love seeing that uh, come to bear in this season. She's a, she's a delight. And um, she kind of allows the show to keep that youthful perspective, even as the other kids get older. Fans are going to notice uh, each of the, the big monsters 
in the show's season were inspired by classic D&D monsters. Season one with the Demogorgon, season two and three with, the, what's that, the Mind Flyer? Mm-hmm. What do you think about this season's big bad monster? I won't ask you, Biko, because I know you're still catching up. Alec? Um, I think he is by far the best character design they've ever done. Um, they, uh, they've they gone a little differently this time because the Demogorgon and the Mind Flayer are a little more bestial and inhuman, whereas Vecna can actually speak pretty fluent English and kind of uh, taunts the characters as, as things go along. Uh, it's a creative um, yeah. design and a creative execution. I like them. What did you think of the monsters in the past seasons, Biko? I, I thought that, you know, it was it was worthwhile. Um, I, I felt like I still want to catch on to what the monster looking like for this season. Because when I first saw the beginning, the first episode, and I watched a little bit of it, I'm like, okay, I can tell this is going to be something. But the past monsters, you know, it's, it's scary, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it's not overbearing. You know what I'm saying? Like I can, I can, I, I want to say I can almost watch it with my kid, my my little one. But at the same time, I'm hoping he don't have nightmares. <laughs> I think he will. I mean, I've, I've seen some. I was preparing for this segment, and boy, I was I was scared. I mean, I was watching recaps, and I mean, just you know, flying through the seasons was still scaring me. But you know, you can try it. <laughs> you can give it a shot. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about too is 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 the cost of this thing because each episode this season, Alec, costs an average of thirty million dollars to create. I, I mean, is that sticker price justified? You think that's um, a lot of I, money? Look, I, I don't think that kind of sticker price is justified for almost any TV show. <laughs> but at the at the very least, uh, you you do see that money on screen this time. Uh, whether that's a, a perfect use of Netflix's dollars remains to be seen, mm-hmm. but at the very least, like it, at least you notice it. it th- there's definitely a level up in, in production this season. And uh, I, I know season four, volume two, as you mentioned, Alec, that's going to drop in July um, with only two episodes running nearly an hour and a half and two and a half hours. Super long. Biko, you hinted at this earlier. That's why it's taking you a minute to get through episode one of this season. Uh, but, I mean, do you think they're too long or is it just enough? Or what do you, how are you feeling about it, Biko? I mean, I feel, like Alec mentioned um, earlier, you know, this is what, you know, Netflix is giving the opportunity where they're letting TV shows and series do them. And in a way, you know, this is Stranger Things doing them, the best series on Netflix, boosting their subscriptions. So, I mean, that's the good thing about it. But personally, I feel like one, you know, an hour and a half, two and a half hours, that's movie. I'm I'm thinking about a Stranger Things movie because, um, you know, sometimes mm. I, I understand that they want to put as much as possible to get the timeline right. But I just I like to be teased, you know. Stranger Things in movie, that thirty to forty five minute frame, but the hour and a half, two and a half hour, I could just go. Let's make a movie, you know. So. Mm. Well, you know, the Duffer Brothers say that fans can expect to see just one more season of the show. Any hints from season four, Alec, that maybe can give us an idea of what might be in the next season, or do you have any expectations of of what to see there? You know, without delving into spoilers, I, I will just say <laughs> that was a that, trick question. <laughs> yeah, I, the, the answer to that is yes. <laughs> I think if anybody who watches the final episode of Stranger Things season four, volume one, which is episode seven, I feel will have a much clearer idea 
of where this will be end up going in season five, which is the final season. And we'll leave um, it at that. That's, yeah. that's great. That's perfect. Alec Vojalad is a TV editor at Den of Geek, and Stefan Biko is host and producer with Vocalo. Thank you both for joining us. And if only could, I'd make a deal.